Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When my publicist was like, do you want to try for Kayvon Novak? I was like, he's never going to say yes, but sure. I'm such a fan of the show. And then you said yes. And we threw a tiny party and we've called <laughs> a really tiny party, the tiniest of parties. And full confession, we called all these questions from people and I binged what we do in the shadows during quarantine uh, at the beginning and so many people had such specific references. I was like, well, I want to make sure I'm abreast of these things. So I went on YouTube and I just got lost watching what we do in the shadow YouTube clips for like 45 <laughs> minutes because it's so brilliant and you're so great on this show. Oh, thank you very much. That's so, very kind of you to say. I'm going to start by saying <gasps> that uh, I'm setting the tone. I am a married person, but I have an intense physical attraction to Nandor. And I am almost embarrassed about it. Don't be embarrassed. Tell me more. Demo, you're out. Elisa, 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 Elisa is in. Oh my God. I, there's something so attractive. And then I Googled you and I was like, well, he's pretty attractive, but there's something about the accent and the long hair and just kind of being a weird vampire versus just an evil one, <laughs> intensely attracted to the darkness. And I had to get that off my chest so we can start clean. Oh, wow. So Thank you. Hope to make you uncomfortable. So you. we got a lot of questions, but I'm going to start with my own question because yeah. a lot of people have seen the movie and I, I obviously I see the similarities in your character and Taika's character, but can, can you talk a little bit about your audition? And your character that you have now versus what you did in the audition or what was asked of you? Sure. Um, so I was a fan of the movie too. And when I got the email saying that they're making the, the TV version of this show, I was like, oh my God, I, this is, I'm never going to get this because I want it too much. I'm just never going to happen. So I read the script um, or I read the scenes for Nando. And immediately I was reminded of 
Tyker's character and Jermaine's character as well, because they had that kind of, he was a warrior and he was kind of aggressive and talked about killing and pillaging and doing all that. <laughs> but at the same time, he was quite, you know, trying to keep the other housemates in line. And that felt very much like Tyker's character. So mm-hmm. when I started kind of, I then I was like, right, okay, so what's the voice? Because for me, it's always about voice first, ask questions later, you know? So I was like, okay, I'll go and do a mm. poo. And while I'm on the <laughs> toilet, I'll I'll just go through these these scenes and see what happens. So, you know, it just, it was one of those great moments where I just was like, oh no, this feels quite good. And I guess the accent I do in it is kind of uh, Eastern European, I would say. Yeah. Even though he's, you know, supposed to be from, uh, you know, uh, ancient Persia, Mesopotamia, um, that the words <laughs> on the script sounded the funnest saying it in this accent and this voice. And I guess that kind of, that flatness is definitely inspired by Tyker's character, you know. But they also, you know, his accent is more German, they would say. I mean, don't, you know. Oh, it kind of is. Now that you say that, it totally is. Oh, oh, great. Oh, yes. Oh, you're going to go. This is wonderful. You know, it's more kind of like that, I guess. Um, Um, Yeah, it's a nondescript sort of Eastern European accent and... I have, so I, somebody asked about this. Oh, here it is. Uh, she sees a million stars, says, oh my God, I love this. I'd love to know the influence for Nando's accent, which you just told us. I know he's from Al Canada, which, uh, <laughs> was it inspired by the Middle Eastern accents or something made up? She, well, here's my question. She said, Al Canada, now Southern Iran. And then I was like, no, it's a made up place. It's not. So it sounded yeah. to me like she thought that was, my question for you is, did you make that up in the scene did you improv because it obviously looks like he's making it up um Um, i i did not that was in the script um and i think i'm pretty sure al kanadar is a made-up place i don't think it actually exists because it kind of actually al kanadar is almost more arabic sounding than yeah version anyway Um, it definitely is i'm pretty sure it's it's made up but uh, it definitely it took a little practice because i always wanted to roll my Basically, my, in my accent, because it's Eastern European, I'm like talking like this and pillaging and killing. But then I've got this kind of kind of Arabic-y sounding word that I've got to kind of roll my R's on. So mm-hmm. I almost it almost was a separate accent for just saying that one word and then going back to my normal Nando accent. For those of you yeah. accent buffs who give a shit, I don't know that you do, but Al-Qanadar is very, is quite yeah. un-Nando to say. It is, the, the tongue rolling... Uh, and he looks funny when he says it for sure. Uh, and he's uncomfortable when he says it. And I think to me, the biggest reveal of the season was that it was a real place, <laughs> which yeah. nobody saw coming. Um, no. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already 
stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. McGruff underscore MC says, what's your Uh dream celebrity cameo for what we do in the shadows? Because you had so many great, famous, funny people uh, already on it. Do you have a dream celebrity? Do you not think about casting? Um, I mean, personally, I don't. But anyone that I hear is going to come and do the show, it's, it's, you're immediately excited. And you just, you know, I I was so nervous even working with, you know, with, with most of the, the guest stars, you know, Haley Joel Osmond and of course Mark Hamill. Oh, he's uh, a name, but two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, I was excited for weeks when I heard about that. I, I was like, oh my God. And then I was so nervous like a few days before. And I was like, this is, I've got, you know, Luke Skywalker anxiety here. And I've only got mm-hmm. one scene with this guy, but it's enough. Yeah. It's and enough. It, and I, yeah, go ahead. It was one, no, it was just um, Mark Hamill is just the sweetest, most generous guy. And actually, he's a fan of the show, which is why they approached him, because I think he tweeted about the show going, oh, my God, you know, what we do in the shadows is amazing. Is that your American? That's your American? I love it. Oh, yeah. I've got, I mean, I'll I'll crack out my 
crack out my American? Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, it is now. And no, I can't uh, tell got, you. Actually, there is one accent I love doing, I, but I'll save it for later. But it remind me, it's Matthew McConaughey. I, I do enjoy a good Matthew McConaughey accent. Are you sure you don't want to do it now? We're here. Oh, okay, well. Uh, hey, uh, this is uh, Matthew McConaughey. You're listening to... Uh, Eliza's podcast. Should, should I call it? Uh, is it Eliza or Eliza? Because it's Eliza. Yeah, it's Matthew. Eliza. So oh um, I I got this book coming out, and it's a very close book to my heart. And my heart is in my chest, and my chest is beating right now because I'm thinking <laughs> of my dad. My dad's up there going, "You're talking to Eliza," and he's got a little piece of pumpkin pie, and he's got a beer of real life. It's called Green Lights, okay? Because it's the green lights you see when you're driving your car. You're driving along, and it's a green light. So what do you do? You, you step on the gas. You with me? Oh, my God. That <laughs> is so fucking good. And I was, as you're doing it, I'm like my, my awful comedy person thought was like, well, I thought was like, I wonder if he ever auditioned for SNL. And then I was like, he's too good for SNL. Like, you're just, that is so brilliant how you're wow. able to do that. Oh, thanks. Well, it's oh it's one God. of those accents that you enjoy doing, much like Nando's accent, you know, that I, th I feel if I'm not enjoying doing the voice, then I'm not enjoying doing everything else. I, You know what? That is a thing. Uh, I had a sketch show and we had this one character named Cashew Albacore and um, I loved, I, be I became him and I loved doing the voice and I find myself doing it around my house and I always say to my assistant, like, it's not that I think I'm so great. I just love being him. And you can tell just for the amount of times that you've done the accent in this podcast that it is, you have a love, you have a relationship with Nandor. You love doing it. It's not like, ugh, it's work. No, I don't want to say the catchphrase. I can tell as someone who also enjoys accents and voices, it just comes out of you. Um, you're obviously happy totally. doing it. I, I kind of, I think of it like a groove and you're either on the groove or you're not. And if you're not on the groove, then you're coming out in a cold sweat. And yeah. everything that comes out of your mouth feels like shit and you just right. want to quit and you just, you don't, you just feel depressed about it. But then when you find that groove of the character, like you do with Cashew, Cashew, <laughs> Cashew, Cashew, Cashew Albacore. What does he sound like? Is he on your Instagram? No, he's not. He's only on the Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. And okay, just, I'll check that out. Okay. He sounds like, hello, I've got an idea. Cat urine. Like he's just an insane person. And, uh. <laughs> The show will not be getting a second season. I think a lot of people are hearing that for the first time right now, but Cashew Albacore lives on in my home. Um, oh, well, he's got to come back in some some way or another. Maybe for a quarantine Halloween just around my house. It's actually interesting that we're talking about this uh, because the How's, costume I... What? No, I was just thinking a quarantine Halloween. So how does that... Would you have to like knock on your own door? It's just me knocking on all the doors within my own home. Okay. <laughs> and is there it's, anyone behind those doors or... No, there's only uh, two people that live here. Uh, I guess we could put the dog in the room and then she'd be like, why am I in this room alone? You know, Some talking like, to... Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that's no, go the ahead. second time I've interrupted you. In, no, in no, it's, it's all weird because of the... 18 like, seconds. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, uh, talking of dogs, uh, I've been attempting... It, have you ever tried to take a picture of your dog's ear canal? Um, it's it's very difficult because... Is your, is your dog squirmish? The, the dog's been shaking his head. So my fiance has been um, researching the internet thoroughly and we think it might be uh, ear mites. 
And the, the only way we're going to diagnose that at home is to take a picture or take a video of his ear canal. For some reason, my the, the flash on my phone won't turn on when I'm videoing. So I have to use the flash on her phone. And I just ended up filming the back of her phone. And she's very... I don't know. There's a couple of pictures that look like kind of anuses. But there are, I mean, it's, actually a do- it's actually a dog ear. It's amazing how you can make it, your own dog's ear look like an anus. I don't think the inside of any creature looks that great or not unlike a butthole. I will tell you <laughs> as a dog owner, if the dog is shaking its head at all, you should just take it to the vet because whether it's an ear mite or an inner ear infection or an equilibrium thing, he's still got to go to the vet. So I'm with you. I'm with who you. Who asked for a picture? What vet is like, I don't know, prove it first <laughs> and then you um, can come in. I I don't know, but we, he's just been to the vet last week. So we're trying to do a home diagnosis. This dog just won't leave. It just keeps going back to the vet. Oh, it's so expensive. Oh. It's so expensive. Anyway. Last week, my dog, we were out for a walk. The dog all of a sudden just stopped. And, and I, you know, can't talk, obviously. <laughs> and she kept lifting up her paw. And I'm freaking yeah. out, like full care. And I'm like, what is wrong? Why is she holding her paw? And so I, I, you know, we live in Los Angeles and I didn't know if it was a scorpion and everyone laughs. They're like, there's no scorpions this time of year. I'm like, why do you know that? I know if it was a snake. And uh, my brother said that he's like, no, this is not scorpion time of year. And I was like, shut up. And uh, a bee had stung her, which we found out $300 later at the vet. So they treated her. Oh my God. Well, they treated her. She's fine. I feel so bad. Come home. We're outside in the backyard. All of a sudden she lifts up the other paw. Because she stepped on another bee two oh hours later. God. What are all these bees doing? Crawling around on the floor. They should be buzzing around flowers and, you know, <sighs> making yeah. honey and shit. Global warming is real, my friend. <sighs> and they are tired. More questions. More questions yes, for you. Yes, yes, uh, yes. More questions for me. More questions. Yeah. Natalie Morgan, I think this is a Facebook question, says, My boyfriend oh, and I... I stood on that bee. <laughs> uh, who put that bee there? Yeah, more. There's a bee on the floor. Oh, oh no, it's not a bee, it's semen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. Why would you confuse those two? <laughs> it was squishy and warm like a bee. Like a bee. Oh. <laughs> um, Natalie Morgan says, I'm half Iranian, so I especially love Nandor and his backstory. What was it like having a film at night? Did you eventually feel like a vampire or was it easy to adapt to? Also, justice for Guillermo. Make him a vampire already. <laughs> justice. Shut your mouth. Shut your <laughs> mouth. Um, I would say, no, we did a lot of night shoots and you definitely feel vampiric. You also feel extremely cold in the Toronto winter. Oh, you shot um, in Toronto. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. Shout out to Toronto. Ice Great cold. city. Have you, have you been, have you, have you been have. to Toronto yourself? Oh, yeah. uh, I have um, always for stand up, um, but uh, yes, of yeah. course. Toronto, Toronto's great. How do Toronto's how great. do Canadian stand up crowds compare to LA stand up crowds? Well, LA, I mean, there's so many venues in LA, but I can tell you, Canadians across the board, no matter what province you're in, are always awesome. Canadian yeah. crowds, they just they're a, a country that's responsible for some very funny people uh, that yes. they've shipped over here or just walked over and. Uh, their crowds are just down. Like they're just pumped. They're polite. They're like Americans were in the fifties. So like secretly racist <laughs> and they are awesome. <laughs> just nice, nice people. Oh. But anyways, you were saying. Yeah. So um, luckily filming at night, 
uh, as Nandor, Nandor is kind of always dressed for the occasion. I've got my big red boots. I've got a cape. I've got a leather vest. I've got, that's it. That's all I wear. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Burley Kim Kim, actually, speaking of that, asks, uh, serious question, do you get hot with all those clothes? Because it looks like you're always dressed for a blizzard, which you are, but I have to imagine, you know, even indoors with all the lights, do, do you get hot? Um, well, I would say when we start filming in the afternoon and we know we're going to go from studio and then we're going to go outside, sometimes you can get a little overzealous with the uh, thermals underneath. So what I've done sometimes, I've made the mistake of wearing my thermals throughout the day and mm. inside that when we're filming inside the, stu the studio of the house we have a lot of fireplaces and a lot of candles burning yeah. and it gets fucking hot oh um and even though you you're prepared when you go outside later when it's minus five or ten or whatever yeah it gets really hot and you get sweaty and you start forgetting your lines and then one time i was wearing this cape and i farted into the cape <laughs> And the thing about the cape is it it held the fart, right? So I'd farted a good six or seven minutes before the director then came up to me or called me over, actually, which is what wafted the fart out of the cape. And she was like, so I was thinking, Jackie Van Beek, hey, Jackie, if you're listening, wonderful director, wonderful. She's not Van listening, Beek. I promise. She's not listening. <laughs> There's no Fuck way. Fuck that bitch. Um, so anyway, uh, she was like, Kevin, can I just ask you a question about... She's from New Zealand. Kevin, yeah, can I just yeah. ask you a question? You think Nandor might... And then, as you said, <laughs> Nandor might, I realized that this fart had not left my gown, but had now wafted <laughs> in between myself and Jackie. So I'm looking in her eyes and she's looking in my eyes and she's trying to ask me a question about my character and we both smell shit. And it's just, it's just upsetting. It's just like, it's not fair. <laughs> Like, it's not fair, all right? You, you, fart, you fart in a corridor away from everyone and yeah. that's considerate and it's kind and it's, you know. It's not right. And then that happens six minutes later. Did you say anything? We were like, it's a traveling no. fart. It's been following. You can't say anything. I think I, I think I mentioned it afterwards. Oh, my God. I don't know. After I she, just, after I, she I, came to? <laughs> yeah, well. Oh. That um, was, yeah. That's... Bad times. That's, I mean... That's understandable. Uh, yeah. Going back to the accent for a second, uh, I watched yes. an interview. Just a second. Uh, I, I watched an interview, um, yeah. and Jermaine Clement was saying how brilliant everyone on the show is and how oftentimes you guys ad-lib and they keep it in. So uh, Barley Bunny asks, how much of the dialogue, I don't know why I said accent, how much of the dialogue is ad-libbed in what we do and when do we get to see the outtakes? But that's a great question. How many um, We improve. I mean, the scripts... As they are, for me, are always super, super funny. And actually, whenever I read them, I'm like, well, this, they've done all the hard work for us. All I've got to do is say these lines in this accent and I'm done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Of course, on the day, absolutely, we get a chance to just fire shit at each other. And, you know, we do these long takes because of the way we film it, because it's all documentary style. And, you know, it's not like, okay, going on close up now. On right. Andrew, Andrew's close-up, and then it's like, oh, oh man, oh, why didn't I do that on the? Why didn't I do that on my close-up? I'm so good on this reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My face. For, um, for so everyone, none of that. So it's just like two cameras just picking everything up. It's brilliant, and so it, it, you just always feel relaxed. And I guess for me, you see, it's all about being relaxed. <laughs> You got it. You got it. Well, for people that are listening, because we don't have a lot of industry people that listen, you know, when you shoot, yeah. I mean, there's 
you have multiple cameras. This is, uh, I mean, it's a single cam show, but, you know, if you guys watch something like The Office, you know, it's this moving camera that's catching all those nuances and all these looks to camera and things like that. Um, and normally when you shoot for people listening, they shoot the actor you're talking to over your shoulder and then they shoot you. And I know it is the worst thing. Sometimes you're like, is this my close up? Because you don't want to waste anything brilliant on a shot that's behind your back. This is just for people that, that don't know about the yeah. camera stuff. Um, but of course we always do. Of course. always. I'm you know always the most present. Yeah, when it's <laughs> yeah. someone else's lines, I'm like always super present. I'm like, man, that was a great take. So I always like to go last because that way I've, I, can, I know that I fully run through it. Because everybody always wants to go first. I want to go last. Liza, can I just ask you, you, you always want to go last. I don't think it's fair on everyone else. So what if I want to go last? Why? Here's the, you're both your American accents. One is super dorky. And I also have another British friend. And when he does his American, he too starts yeah. with, oh my God. I oh, think, really? Oh my God. Oh my God. Because you did that earlier. And I feel like, uh, I feel stereotyped. I feel, I feel shoved in a box and I feel seen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You could, you, I mean, you could cut out that, oh my God bit and just go with the, you know, the meat and potatoes. Oh my, oh my God. No, because that is exactly how we sound. And uh, oh I find God. that the imitation of the American accent is always like kind of an overexcited girl. Like, oh my God, you guys. That, which is and what it, I just did. Um, oh, yeah. Have I, have I failed you? No, I love it. You've reinforced a stereotype that is not a stereotype. It's just a fact. Uh, but I love hearing an American accent from Brits because you don't realize how hard our R's are until you hear someone who has soft R's say our R's, our R's. R's, R's. R's, R's. R's. This R's. is the rest of the podcast. It's just us saying R. How does America feel about all these Brits going over and being American? What do you mean? Well, I'm just saying. Like uh, like immigration? Not immigration, but um, British actors pretending to be American all the time. I don't, I don't think we have a problem with it. I think no. the, it's the reverse that people have a problem with when you are on a white American being something else. And so... But I've never heard a person be like, fucking Brits coming over, taking our farm acting gigs. God damn, love- Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne, there, no. Eddie Redmayne. You're not from Nevada. Hey, Eddie Redmayne. I, if you can do an American accent, I mean, the best is when you hear an actor and you're like, oh, I didn't realize they were from New Zealand. Oh, I didn't realize they were British because they're that yeah. good at it. Uh, That's true. Some- That's true. Sometimes it doesn't um, go the other way. Can you do a British accent? I can, and I will. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I would say that for, for Brits listening to Americans do British accent, it always cuts a fine line, but it almost falls into Austin Powers most of the time. Okay. The, let me, let me redeem like, myself. My okay. uh, first touchstone, my first reference for a true British accent, because I, I would listen to Monty Python. While most girls mm-hmm. were listening to Backstreet Boys, I had a Monty Python CD. And oh, wow. so the one he got, like the, there's like the cheese shop and there's the book. Have you got Christmas Carol with a K by Charles Dickens, the well-known Dutch author? Like, so there's, there's that idiot voice. Yeah, it's kind of Cockney. Yeah, that's kind of, the fun one. That's the fun one to do. What about Posh? Posh, like a received RP. Oh, that's very good. When filming, I'll do it in a British, I'll read you the next question in a, in a British, in a RP. Okay. <clears throat> Christine, where is it? I can't even read this. Christine, <laughs> Christine and the genie. 
Hello to everyone. Because uh, the Queen's accent is an insane one and no one sounds like the Queen, so I won't sound like her. Christine in the Genie. Hello to everyone involved in the pod. What We Do in the Shadows is one of my absolute favorite shows. My question is, if Laszlo has Jackie <laughs> Daytona as his alter ego, what would Nando's alter ego be and what is he like? Thanks, Christine. <laughs> is that bad? Wow, was that, that, was fanta- that was fantastic. I get the gig? That was very good. That was, but I might even give you a round of it, like a breakfast Woo! show round of applause. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, no, that was really good. That was spot on, I would say. Thank you. Um, what was the question? What was oh, the yeah. question? Oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Jackie Daytona. I mean, you know, me. I have an ego, all right? When I post mm. a picture on Instagram that's got to do with Nandor and someone goes, Jackie Daytona, yay! Oh. That pisses me off. Yeah. You know, I screen grabbed one of those comments and I sent that to, to Matt Berry and he was like, well, what do you expect? What do you I'm expect? like, he's right, because that was a fantastic episode and a brilliant alter ego. Yeah. I mean, I have mentioned, you know, could Nandor possibly have a toothpick, you know, in season three? A toothpick? And maybe, a, you know, an alternative name. Maybe uh, um, William, uh, Bill Williams. Bill Williams? No. Bounty Hunter. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what it was. Uh, oh, yeah. Bounty Hunter. That would be cool. Bounty Is Hunter. Is dog still alive? No. Uh, his w- No, his wife passed. It's weird oh. than it was. And he is alive. He is. Okay. Did I take a photo in front of DeKine Bail Bonds years ago when I went to Hawaii for the first time? Yes. Did you? I was just like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> there oh it is. <laughs> that is, that's quite a show. Well, it was. Most, yeah. Acmatic point of my vacation. Uh, so it's, I watched that Jackie Daytona episode and I remember I, somebody was like, oh, what are you watching? And if you actually, I think the hallmark of a good show is if you, The Simpsons is this for me, if you describe the plot of the show halfway through, you're like, what am I saying? You're like, he's this, uh, you know, several <laughs> centuries vampire and he's coaching girls volleyball. Like, what? Uh, in a, and he's on the run <laughs> in another town. Uh, the girls volleyball of it all. There's just something extra pathetic about that. Blue-Eyed Green says, Hello, Eliza Kavon and Precious Snow Peach. That's my dog. If you could have one vampire power ability, what would you want? I would personally love to be able to turn into a bat. <laughs> Thanks and love you both. Thanks for slipping that in, Blue-Eyed Green. Um, you yeah. first. Well, what are the options? Are there's, there's... Well, you can turn into any animal you want. You can, because Nando turned Ooh. into a dog in season one. Right. Okay. Um, as there's did Laszlo. Flying. <clears throat> flying bats. I don't think we can turn into birds. I don't know. You know who the guy to ask this is? Jermaine. Because Jermaine Clement from day one was absolutely a stickler for the rules of being a yeah. vampire. You've got to. Otherwise the You've whole structure to. falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't blaspheme. You can't walk into a, a building without being What invited. was that first one? You can't blaspheme. So you can't say God or Jesus. Oh, blaspheme. Yeah. I I love that. I never heard, I've heard blasphemous. I didn't know that blaspheme was a, a verb. I love that. Oh, isn't it? Maybe it's like a oh. British saying or blaspheme. a New Zealand you saying. You just because. blasphemed. Maybe you it's blasphemed. a completely made up word. So what am I supposed to say? You, 
say something blasphemous? Take, well, you can't take the Lord's name in vain, I guess, or the Lord's name at all. I wonder if that is now a British hidden camera show. Like, you've been blasphemed. You've been blasphemed. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so, well, those aren't really, I guess the other power is you can drink blood, which I definitely don't want. I'd pick the flying and appearing places. That's very helpful. Yeah, I think the flying and the wardrobe would probably, it's a cool wardrobe. It's a you know, I, really cool I wardrobe. Of, I feel cool wearing it. And I that's another thing. I'd say number one voice, number two, wardrobe. As a power. You know? Yeah. No, just as a kind of feeling like connected to your character. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't think vampires really have a ton of powers. I think she's asking that question thinking they're these like phantasmal, fantastic beasts, but really they're more limited by what they can't do. And I love garlic, so I don't want to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Bad question. Mm. Ariel. Spaghetti. Yeah. yeah. Really, what does it say? Ari really here. Ooh. Kayvon, did they really commission an oil portrait of you for the opening? Did you ask to keep it? Is it CGI? Um, it's real. There's a few of them, actually. And at the end of, or nearing the end of season one, I had one of those moments that actors have, insecure actors have when they're filming something and they still not quite convince themselves that they're doing a good enough job that they won't be fired. And I was doing a talking head scene with Jermaine and I was going, oh man, oh man, that, 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 that painting of Nando is so cool. It's so cool. And Jermaine was like, oh, you should ask uh, the art department if you can keep it. And I'm, thinking, but don't you need that for season two, maybe? Um, hopefully. Um, so, yeah. Okay. That was my, that was my, um, my anecdote for that particular question. So, yes, so answering the question, yes, they exist. No, I didn't ask to keep it because I want to keep my job. And I yeah. think when I get fired or if it comes to an end, then I will absolutely... Uh, asked to have one of the paintings. Definitely, because it's not like, oh, no, we need that for Little House on the Prairie. Like, no one needs that painting for something else. Are they rebooting that? Yeah, they're not going to be like, we need this for CSI. So I think you could definitely have that. I don't think that we have a need for that. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, and they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable, and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, French. 
It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. CJ underscore glows. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the current season, two seasons over and over. CJ here from Utah, originally Birmingham, UK. My question oh. is, yeah, is Nandor's 758 years on earth, how, in Nandor's 758 years on earth, how many children do you think he's fathered and will any of them make a potential appearance? Love the show so much. I really hope so. I don't, uh, I'm always kind of, because I think my great, 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 great granddaughter was in one of the episodes in season yes. one that I yes. ended up killing because they goaded me. Um, <laughs> so I would say, getting all the catchphrases out all I can. I love um, it. Fucking gay. <laughs> for it. So um, I'd love that. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm like thinking I want to go back in time and see some backstory and, mm-hmm. you know, see how... Guillermo and Nando met. But again, I guess the issue with that is there wouldn't necessarily be a documentary film crew following them. Right. That's a great point. Okay. Um, Here's a a personal question for me. This is... mm. Okay. I'm watching the show. I'm very attracted to Nandor. And I'm like... And I see Nadja and Laszlo there together. And... And I, she has Jisk, Jeff, Gregor. Yes, Jisk. Her not being able to say Jeff is something that echoes throughout the halls of my house. Jisk. And we just, we play dominoes <laughs> with our friends and we'll just say Jisk, Gregor. <laughs> oh my, and Laszlo. And I've definitely, my husband and I definitely call each other Laszlo. Laszlo. Uh, anyway, where is Nandor's love interest? And how come I haven't seen one there's something very sexual about the fact that he's like too cool for school. Why are there no women hitting on him? Why is, where, where is that? Where are the kisses? What's happening? Well, I think with Nandor, he's kind of over the years, he's, he's become more asexual, I would say. Yeah. He's not kind of, even though he was a, a fearsome warrior and he had, you know, 57 wives and he loved 55 of them. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think he's just over it. He's past it. He's he's looking for something else. You know, he's he's. It's like he's a recovering addict. Right. He's addicted to killing and pillaging, and he was addicted to um, marrying and having sex with everyone in the room. And and I think now he's just kind of got that sadness. You know, that that kind of relief, a kind of weird mix of sadness and relief that recovery brings, I think. Because you know you can 
you can never go to those heights of kind of ecstasy, but then you're saving yourself from those depths. So I think oh, he's kind that of is poetic. Yeah, in the middle, he's in the middle ground somewhere, and Guillermo is the is the last kind of bastion of his. Um, I wouldn't say self-destructive behavior, but it is in a way because you know, in a way, Guillermo is the best thing that's ever happened to Nandor, and he still treats him badly, and he still nearly is left by Guillermo on so many occasions, but Guillermo mm-hmm. still comes back. And I mean, wouldn't it be fitting? The the thing that Nandor loves the most might be the thing that destroys him. If Guillermo, if we follow this Van Helsing storyline, could be a that's great... That's true. But at least I get a free painting at the end of it, so... Do you get a free painting? That is so poetic and true. And, I, and I'm bummed out as someone who is deeply attracted to Nandor that I'm not going to get to see, like, a dating montage. Um, the girl in me wants to see kisses. Um, you, you might, but he's, you know, you know he's going to... He's addicted to Guillermo and what Guillermo brings in it. You know, although it's not sexual, no. their attraction is on a different level. You know, they're codependent. Yeah. Which is not healthy, you know, but yeah. it is it is familiar and it is comforting. Well, speaking of familiars, Pag yeah. Tello says, question for Kayvon. What tasks would you have your familiar do for you if you had Guillermo in real life? And then there's a follow-up question for me. Do you consider Baby Arm, who's my assistant, Emily, to be your familiar? And then we have another question about that after. But let's answer, because I do, actually. But let's answer uh, yours first. If you had Guillermo in real life, do you have an assistant in real life, Kayvon? I don't, actually. I'm ashamed to say I have, I have no assistant. I have my wife-to-be. And she assists me in the act of living well. Yeah. And she reminds me when I'm living less well. And that usually involves me leaving underpants on the floor and not emptying the dishwasher, or actually not loading the dishwasher correctly. Because I, she's like my dad, man. There's like there's one way of loading a dishwasher efficiently, correctly, and oh, yeah, you will not break those rules. You know, you will not put the chopping board on top of the plates on the lower level. You will find a slot for it at the back of the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had to learn these you. things. The hard way. My uh, husband's a chef and he's very, he's not, not oh, anal by shit. any means, but yeah, he's always yeah. like, you know, you got to And he's always sweet about it. And deep down I'm like, oh, I don't care. And if I keep doing it wrong, I won't have to do it. Um, someone's got to be particular about loading how's, the dishwasher. Can I ask, how's his chefing at the moment? What's going on? Is he, is he a run a restaurant? Is he, what's, what's his chefing entail right now? And has he been affected by the global pandemic? Yeah, of course you can ask that. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know how often you come to LA, but when you do, I know you guys shoot in Toronto, please mm. let me know because uh, he opened a couple restaurants here. And while he is not the executive chef, he's still partner in these restaurants. There's a restaurant called Blood Sows Barbecue. And uh, mm. they, oh, yeah? there's actually, there's a show on Netflix right now. Um, I don't remember what the name of it is. Is he on Probably, that? Maybe. The barbecue it's, one. It's so it's Kevin Bloodsoe who is the creator of all the recipes. My husband was the executive chef. So Kevin Bloodsoe is one of the judges on that. And he and my husband, his name's Noah, they have a cookbook deal. So Noah is writing Kevin's cookbook at the moment in addition oh, to wow. his own cookbook uh, that he got based on this internet cooking show that he and I started in the pandemic uh, because we needed something to do. Um, and so Bloodsoe is doing out. well. Yeah, please, please do. It's on uh, it's on my Instagram live. Super high production value twice oh, a week. But yeah, that. but so he's involved with that and writing these cookbooks, which takes up a lot of time. 
And uh, so we're very lucky. There were definitely some months there of just creating something, hoping somebody would pay attention. Um, and he put a pause in opening his own restaurant. And I'm glad he didn't open it because that would be an absolute shit show to yeah. have opened it right before a pandemic. Um, but we always have food in the house, always tasty things. And I, oh, it man. has rendered me borderline incapacitated as an adult. <laughs> like I cannot feed myself. I'm afraid to go in the kitchen. I find myself opening things and just making noises, hoping he'll come over and assemble it. <laughs> Real role reversal. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm going to come around so my, for dinner then. Please do. We would love to have you and your and your fiance. And if you guys want to come to Blood Sows, it's the best barbecue probably in the state, in my opinion. Wow. Or in the country. Um, is it better than uh, APL? APL? Adam Perry Lang? I don't know that. I don't know that acronym. Oh, man, you got to get yourself down and get some brisket. Where is that? Mm. It's in Los Angeles somewhere. I follow him on Instagram. He was on, um, what did I see him in? Uh, Ugly Delicious, right? The the oh. barbecue one. He cooks a brisket at the beginning and talks about brisket for about eight seconds. But like, <clears> I hate <throat> the word foodie and I'm not one. I eat, like, I'll eat turkey out of a bag over the sink. Like, I don't care. Sounds good. That sounds, I love eating standing up. Yes, oh. on a napkin, not even a plate. And he's like, oh, why don't yeah. you take Fuck a plate? plate. I see <sighs> I get in trouble with that as well. Where's your plate? Yeah. Put on a plate. Also, to. it's like suddenly the food that I'm eating might fall off the counter and fall on the floor and poison one of our pets. Mm. <sighs> okay. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to have a significant other who cares about the home because – I'm a comic and you're an actor. And if it were up to me, I would live in a tower in like a Coke den on the edge of a cliff in Los Angeles <laughs> with like one dish and like a TV on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Thinking um, of jokes. Do I consider baby arm to be my familiar? I do. She's my assistant and she is, and I'm very abusive to her in a fun way because she's always laughing. Uh, but if anybody ever hurt her, I would go to jail for manslaughter. So... That's how I feel. I don't know. If, and it, and is, yeah. is she waiting to get something from you? Like Guillermo was waiting to become a vampire. You're going to make her a vampire? What's the deal? That's my thing. I don't know about Guillermo's love for Nandor, I think, is because he's, you know, biding his time. He wants something. Emily, I ask her all the time. What, and what do I think you want? What do you want? <laughs> and I always try to give her things and I try to, and I don't know what she wants. I know what she enjoys but I don't feel that our you know I'm like if I do this movie you could maybe have this credit she's like nah I'm good and I'm like <laughs> okay well fuck me then <laughs> so I don't know but I, we're very close uh, and when I she watched the lovely. show yeah she's great when I watched the show I was like Guillermo, is, Guillermo and Emily they are kindred spirits both very patient <laughs> anywho um, other questions for you mm. Rish Rish Risa Howard 824 says, which of Nandor's traits are yours as well? Or which is of yours as well? One or many? Um, that's a good one. Yeah, you know, I guess I, I get to channel my anxiety and my insecurity and my sense of not really knowing what the hell I'm doing half the time through Nandor, mm. which I enjoy. Yeah. And it and I, I feel that it's it's the closest I'll get to an honest performance. 
because I'm all about putting on a different voice, putting on a different hairdo, just putting on as as much armor as possible. But mm. actually with Nandor, I feel quite close to him and therefore quite vulnerable, but therefore quite honest, I guess. Um, I love that. He's, yeah, he's he's nice to play. I enjoy playing him. It doesn't feel like a million miles away from me because I am Nandor. He lives in you. <clears throat> Does he live in me? I don't know. Maybe. He must. I, if, yeah, he, yeah, I guess I know. I live in him sometimes. We yeah. live in each other. We, it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, there's a softness to him. I think also why, I don't know about other people, but why I enjoy watching him. He is this fierce, you know, murdering, probably raping, definitely pillaging <laughs> ruler of the Ottoman Empire who's been softened and there is a sullenness. Like there is a, a sadness and you can like, there's no light to him because he's a vampire. But even though horrible things happen in the show, you guys are murdering people. And I was scared with the vampire council because he's a little trepidatious about things and a little lost for words and trying to stumbling through things. Sometimes there's a vulnerability there that you connect to and you, you're like, Oh, I want to be friends with him. I want to help him. <laughs> you do. You want to, you want to take orders from him and second yeah. guess him. Yeah. There's a vulnerability there. You've given a horrible creature such a vulnerability. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of the few characters you get to play, I guess. No, he's great. Or they get that the, you, you don't necessarily, because you know what it's like when you come up with your own character, you know, like no one can write this character as well as me. Cause I, came up with it and it's mine and nothing feels as good as playing your own character, you know, when you're a character comedian. Right, um, absolutely. And Andor feels like just a gift from the gods, the gods being Jermaine and Taika. You're just kind of, you know, for everyone, I think everyone in the show, you know, we all love playing our characters so much. And I think you that must translate to the audience enjoying watching them, I guess. Well, you can tell. You can tell that they that you guys are enjoying it, and it's like this like comedy buffet. Uh, Natasha Dimitrian, who plays Nadja, is very funny, and it is. And I'll just say it as a woman in comedy, you know, it is difficult when you're the only girl in an ensemble to not become a caricature of what a woman is, and to not, mm -hmm. you know, you're always compared to the strength. Like men are inherently more likable in comedy, and you don't want to be reduced to the nag or like the slut or the, you know, like there's certain archetypes and they're not like Commedia del Arte characters, but there's certain, uh, I guess, roles that women play. And she, she's so her own thing mm. and she show, so holds her own. And you know that there's so much improv going on and everybody is, everybody's so whole and you could take any of those characters. And this is a testament to how brilliant all of you are and put them in another scene. And I still believe those characters would be exactly who they are. Like they're so solid. And I think that's, we feel safe as the audience watching. We feel like we're in good comedic hands. Um, <laughs> at least it translates for me. That's uh, lovely to hear. Yeah. Morris underscore B says, hello everyone. Love your podcast and love what we do in the shadows. If Nandor had to choose a human job to do for a year, what would it be? That was my Nandor. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be? Um, maybe I would like to work in a footlocker. <laughs> I 
because I don't know whether you know this or not, but I was a big fan of the Dream Team, 1992. <laughs> but I was, uh, as much as I was a fan of them, I was also very much a fan of their big shoes. And I believe in the Foot Locker, uh, they sell a lot of big, big shoes. And so, you know, I'm talking, you know, size 12, 13, 14, 8, up to 17. This is what Guillermo was showing me on the internet. Uh, as well as pictures of men's penises. But, you know, that, that's, I, I said, Guillermo, no, that is not, what you do in your private life is, is, no. is your private occasions. Stop masturbating okay. loudly. Um, yeah, I think a footlocker, but only if there were only, maybe a footlocker that was enclosed in a mall where mm. there were no windows. I think that's possible, yes? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, that's all of them. Great. And uh, what uh, I would like to earn a very low wage, you know, a minimum type of wage, maybe like eight or nine dollars an hour, something like that. And then, you know, we could go into the, the back room and they have a good pitch about the manager. Oh, he's such a dick. Oh, that guy is such a dick. Fuck dick. that guy. <laughs> could be fun. I think, you know what, if he did, I mean, again, this is something I have mentioned, I think, to maybe. Paul Sims or Stephanie Robinson, the, the, the writers and showrunners, um, to, to exploring that side and going, you know what, Nandor doesn't want to be a vampire. He kind of gives yes. up being a vampire for a while and he wants yes. to be a person. So why not go oh. work in a footlocker? And do you know what I mean? If I worked in a footlocker and Nandor came to work, I'd, in, I'd initially want to just make fun of him and think, Who's, who is this stiff? Who is this tall? Yeah. <laughs> This tall, brown, Eastern European-sounding stiff with terrible hairdo. And then slowly I'd realize that I hate my manager more and maybe he can help me. But, you know, that's, I don't know. Oh, I was thinking Nandor would snap. Like, they're always shitting on him. And then Nandor snaps one day and just does that vampire lift where you grab someone under the... (laughs) Neck and just, oh, oh any oh, of it. God. If he's working at a Wetzel's Pretzels, at a Foot Locker, at a Costco, any of these, like, hey. specifically American institutions, oh, any of those, all of them, I'm, please. I'm sick of this. You know, I the, the guy said he wanted a nine and a half and he, I went into the stock room and he didn't have a nine and a half, so I bought him an eight and a half. <laughs> eight and a half. <laughs> but, but that's a small guy. foot. Uh... It's a small foot, you're right. Venera Frick. It's a small foot. foot. That's a a woman that you were talking to. Maybe that's why they were Well, actually, UK UK sizes, yeah. So an eight and a half is actually an American 10. Can I tell you, this is something that other cultures possess that Americans don't. Canadians and British. I mean, everybody else uses the metric system while we're here doing Imperial, banging our heads against a wall. Everybody knows how to convert it to American and we never know it the other way. Like you, in my head, I was like, maybe he meant UK. And then you were like, oh, UK. So that would be an American 10. But if you told me UK eight, I'd be like, is that an American Christmas? Like, I don't know what that trend, like other cultures are so tapped into what we are. And we're just so like, if you like Celsius Fahrenheit, we're like, I know Fahrenheit. That's about it. You guys can convert to us. We're still in miles. So, you know, the speed limits are in miles, not kilometers. But at the same time, if someone American asks me how much I weigh, I'm going to tell them in stone. Right. Which, But you guys are in pounds, right? We're in pounds, but you know what pound, like you would understand if I told you how many pounds I weighed. No, I wouldn't. Oh, okay. Well, then you're... I'd have to go on my my 
converter app and type type it oh. in. I find in general, we sh I shot a movie in Montreal and everybody was French Canadian and they would say stuff in kilometers and I'd be like, I just don't know. And they'd be like, oh, it's like, you know, 1.2 miles. And I was just like, I appreciate the grace in you converting that for me because yeah, I'm never learning kilometers. No. It's never happened for me. Save your, save your breath. Save your brain. Verna, Verna Frick. Hi, Eliza, baby arm and precious donut mouth. That's my dog. One of my favorite. What's her name? My, what, what's her name? Brenna what? She's, oh, hers, Venna Frick. That's the person Hers writing it. Hers Venafrick. Oh, her name is Venafrick. Oh, Venafrick. It's just a screen okay. title. It's a it's a handle. It could be oh, anything. Oh, okay. It's not it's not from somewhere. Oh no. Well, these are all submitted through Instagram. Okay, so they're all just made Faceless. up names. Okay. Yeah. With a cool. lot of my underscores, which are terrible. Clever. Very clever. Clever. Venafrick says, "Hi, Eliza, baby. I'm a precious donut mouth. My favorite vampire, Kayvon. Oh my gosh." I am so excited for this episode. What We Do in the Shadows is one of my new favorite TV shows. And I just started reading Eliza's book, Girl Logic. I absolutely love it. I was wondering if Kayvon could share with us his take on vampire logic. If that was a book, what advice and knowledge would he put in it? Can't wait to hear the episode. Love listening to the show every week. Eliza, keep doing it. Can't wait to see you in Maryland next year. Me too. Um, so I wrote a book. This is not about plugging my book. But yeah, no, no. I was going to ask. Please tell me more. I'm intrigued. It's a, a book I wrote uh, that sort of un explains the the reason and why women think the way that they do. Um, not it, And so it just sort of unpacks that and unearths, you know, we're called crazy, but there's a reason it comes across as crazy. And so it's a lot of advice and sort of explaining the way that women think. So if it were vampire logic, what knowledge, if you were being interviewed for a vampire logic book, do you have any advice and knowledge you would put in it? It's a lot to, to process on the spot, but if you have anything... I'm sure Venafrick would love it. Um, I would say Venafrick that vampire logic is is getting quite popular. I'd say it's <laughs> act and ask questions later, or don't Ooh. ask questions and just act on impulse and go with your emotions and leave your intellect at the door. And, oh. you know, be unapologetic about it, which actually I would say is probably not the way to go. There's nothing wrong with passion, but I believe that it needs to be tempered with intelligence also. Um, unless you're in an MMA fight. But even then, I'd say <laughs> no, passion and intelligence. Because, you know, the best fighters are, are geniuses of what they do, you know. Their, their brains are figuring shit out. They're not just going, Rah! Right, right. <laughs> um, did that? Yeah, I think that made sense. I don't that know. That was great. It's true. There are Vampires are impulsive because there's no repercussions when you live forever. What are they going to do? Put you in jail? You'll just be a bat. Yeah. And there's very hedonistic um, because there's no repercussions. And it also gives Guillermo such a purpose, the fact that I'm just kind of like, Bluntly, like forcing my way through whatever. He's like, "No, master, you can't do that, master." Ah! What do you mean? No, you can't. You gotta, blah blah blah. What? But why? It's just the way it is, master. Right. Okay, we got ourselves an episode. Woohoo! <laughs> so true. That's exactly what it's. Oh, God, your ear for accents is. I mean, and you're a trained actor. I looked at your bio, and oh. you've just been. They're all Brit. You've been in so many TV shows. You've done so many. And you are a trained actor and you've been doing this forever and you have so many credits. Um, I hate to ask if you went to school for accents or is this just a passion of yours? 
Um, I went to school. Yeah, I went to drama school. But I mean, I was doing accents and all that way before. I was, I was doing accents since I was like three or so. I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. You just, you know, you're a born mimic, you know. You right. just want to play other characters and you just find the way people act or talk or both amusing and you don't know why you just do mm-hmm. and you want to kind of own that and then regurgitate it out and you know be funny or go oh my god you know you didn't realize that that guy is re- really funny when he speaks and when I do it I'll do an impression of him and you'll start to see him in a new light right you know what I mean right so right. I no, kind of had that but with kind of drama school it was you know I went to Weber Douglas uh, Academy of Dramatic Art, which is no longer exists, but at the time it was a very <laughs> well-respected drama school, and I, I spent two years just fucking around, really, being very undisciplined, um, doing a bit of Shakespeare, kind of. But you know, I had a real front. I was, I, they was talked about be vulnerable, be honest. You know, it's about honesty, and I didn't really know what the fuck they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, through the first six, seven years of my acting career, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just playing a terrorist here, a doctor there, a pimp here, a, a doctor pimp there. You know, <laughs> just being kind of mean, dark and aggressive as I could within these roles. And then, you know, for me, what was a revolution was uh, doing crank calls, really, which, oh, is, interesting. which is the way I found um, of my voiceover agent, really, was basically calling up as myself, getting nowhere, and then calling up as other people and doing accents and then recording that on my mini disc and then sending the tape into them going, you know, that guy that you thought was from Utah is actually me. Oh my God, I love that. Slowly, but well, actually, I mean, I've told this story a few times, but one of the biggest cranks I did before I even got a, um, a voiceover agent was that I called up the BBC uh, radio drama department as Kevin Spacey. Oh and God. they, I left a message on their answer phone as Kevin <gasps> Spacey. I recorded all this and then I actually, they called me back and I had to, I basically kept them going for six months. I was Kevin Spacey and I, I got all these phone calls of the head of radio drama and then a, a producer and he was like, oh, oh, Kevin, you know, it's incredible that you've, called because you know we, we really would think would love to do Richard the Third with you. Oh you know and I mean can you still do an impression of Kevin Spacey at the moment or is it litigious? Oh no no I think you can do it especially oh, on this okay. podcast. So oh yeah. I, I was uh you know I called up as Kevin Spacey and I I just moved to London because I was uh, head of the old Vic head of the old Vic excuse me my voice broke there. I think um you know someone's trying to sue me again. It always happens when uh, someone tries to sue me my voice breaks. Oh, there we go again. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God, that is so fucking good. I, you don't think about what he sounds like and then you hear that. Oh my God. Oh. That's so good. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So anyway, Man. but it, I guess it had to, I mean, when you listen back to the recordings, the quality of my Kevin Spacey impression goes from that to just complete shit. Because oh I'm basically having to be Kevin Spacey in these phone conversations for about half an hour. And they're like oh going, oh, Kevin, this is fantastic. We'd love oh. it. Well, I, in the end, right, so I'd spoken to the secretary, the head of BBC Radio Drama, then this producer, 
who was like, you're going to be Richard III. It's, we're going to do it on BBC World Service. It's going to be amazing. And then I, I just made some excuse like I was going away back to America and I was going to come back. And I was like, I've just got to fucking leave this shit cold, man. I can't. Oh this is God. too much. He calls me back about two months later. I'm making a sandwich. And he calls me up. I don't know who it is. I'm like, hello. He's like, uh, Kevin. I'm like, it's K-Van. Because oh. <laughs> my name is K-Van. So, but when someone goes, Kevin, I'm like, no, it's, <laughs> darling, it's K-Van. It's Persian, Kevin. It's Persian. He was like, I'm sorry. It's, uh, you know, who he was. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I had to suddenly just jump into Kevin oh Spacey, God. right? And then I was like, well, I've got to record this. So I was like, I'm so sorry. And just having to like, can I call you back? He's like, no, absolutely, absolutely. You're back. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll call you back. So then I have to call up and then I have to basically go, I can't, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it because I can't do a British accent. And he's like, no, no, Kevin, it's no, but you could do it in America. It'd be fantastic. I'm like, no, really. I just, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair. It's Shakespeare. It has to be RP. If it's not RP, then I, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. Anyway, so that was my oh Kevin Spade. So anyway, that was kind of my calling card where I could say, look, I've, I can do voices. Get, just fucking represent me, man. Get me some voice work, please. Yeah, whatever you just did with, um, what you, with what you have. That's my favorite part of that story. I love the tenacity and I love that entry point into this career. But I also love that the reason you gave was that Kevin Spacey, <laughs> after all these months, he's like, I just realized I can't do a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Oh my god, that's so uh, bad. <laughs> anyway, this was this was like 2003. So that oh, was wow. and that was it. That was that was the listen, way in. That's what unemployment and just feeling like, you know, how many times am I going to throw my phone at the brick wall because I've waited all week for my agent to not call me? I just I, like, I've got I've got to fucking do something about this. And you know, yeah. thank God that I'm so grateful to all those voiceover agents that didn't take me on. Because mm. they unlocked something in me, um, and you know they set my career on a completely different path. They, they they set it off down the road, a viable comedy road, you know. So from there, what can I say? I was I was on my way. Well, I just, I love that <laughs> because we get a, I was well on my way. People, we get a lot of questions on this podcast about career and passion and things like that. And I mean, I think a story like that is just proof like you where there's a will, there's a way. And voiceover agents also having had several and having never actually met them. I've never booked a voiceover gig. I don't think they're not. actually people. Never. Well, but you, you do so many voices and accents and well, you should... I it's, I think it's also one of those industries where it's like people just keep rehiring the same people or it goes to like a big celebrity for something. And if you're kind of in between, they're like, we don't really need someone that can do like half a Cockney accent. This is a commercial <laughs> <laughs> for Dunkin' Donuts, but thank you. So this podcast, um, we've done over 100 episodes. And what we found is that of the women who listen, a lot of women tend to have questions about friends and breaking up with friends or weddings and stuff like that. So I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you one of the regular questions and we're going to get advice from you, Kayvon okay. yeah. slash Nandor. Here we go. Uh, anonymous writes, I recently, about three months ago or so, told a friend, quote unquote, of 10 years that I didn't want to be friends anymore. They are toxic and selfish and narcissistic and it was hurting my own mental health being around them. Unfortunately, I still live with them. <laughs> and... <laughs> Instead of avoiding me, 
like a normal person would, they keep trying to talk to me and act like nothing ever happened. I actually ignored them and they will say things like, I guess I'll go screw myself, further proving how little they care about my feelings in the matter. I don't want to blow up and give them the satisfaction of being angry because I already know that they will twist that situation back on me and try to gaslight me by making me think I've done something wrong. I should also say that this person emotionally manipulated me so that they could experiment with their sexual, oh Jesus Christ, with their sexuality and then stop treating me the same way when they were done experimenting. I just don't know what to do. Should I go on ignoring them until I move out or actually try to talk to them to get them to leave me alone for good? That's an insane question, Emily. Wow. Okay, so basically two people live together. One of them is a lesbian and the other one thought they might be a lesbian. And so they had a little fling and then she realized that she wasn't a lesbian or if she was, then her flatmate wasn't the lesbian she wanted to have a relationship with. Um, And now that person feels used and misled and that her trust has been breached and she's still living with this person who thinks that it's okay just to continue as if nothing has happened. Um, Because I guess one person was more emotionally involved and attached to that I guess she might have been secretly in love with her in the first place. So basically, Mm. she's feeling a sense of rejection, Mm. one, I'd say. Um, That's got to be difficult and humiliating to admit to. And whether she's admitted to her roommate or not, I don't know. Did she say that she had? I don't think so. I think it's just a lot of gaslighting. Is she... Was she like, I've told her that I don't want to be friends with her or yes. I want to tell her? Uh, she starts off by saying, instead of avoiding me, um, hold on. Uh, about three months ago, I told a friend I didn't want to be friends anymore. Okay. I mean, God. God, don't. If she's going to say, I don't want to be friends with you, then I don't want to be your roommate either, which means I've got to find somewhere else to live or you've got to find somewhere else to live. So I guess that aside, like, where they're living aside emotionally because, you know, you can't just, I mean, you, you know, you can make a decision based on the convenience of, well, or the inconvenience of going, well, fuck, you know, we've got, to, you've got to move out. If I, if I'm honest to you about how I feel, because she, she might go, listen, I want you to know that I, I don't like you. I don't want you in my life anymore. And then the other person's just going to feel like, oh, you feel like you've been dumped or something or that I used you and we can never have what we had, which was just a, a platonic relationship. It's become, we've, we've, it's become sexual and now I've withdrawn that sexual mm-hmm. element and left you feeling used and like I'm, you know, a, an insensitive asshole you know, because I'm acting like nothing's happened and you're basically walking around the house going, you know something happened and yeah. you just want to ignore it. Yeah. I think they should fucking get it out in the open, man. Get it out but- in the open. Also, the girl that like you that had sex with you sounds like a psycho. Honestly, she sounds selfish and awful. And if you're about to move out, great. I hope you never repeat that mistake. Don't ever sleep with your roommate. Doesn't matter how hot they are. That's and, the moral uh, of the story. That's the so, moral of the story. Yeah, Mo, if you are listening, I'm never going to sleep with you, okay? <laughs> you will never see this dick. You will never it's see relentless this Relentless penis. I don't care. <laughs> Do you know the amount of goading it would take to even get it hard after 600 years? A lot. <laughs> oh, well, 
there goes my my hope for an episode where he has sex. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll just do Top of the Cob. It's the Top of the Cob. We're doing it right. Every day. You just take a bite. Top of the Cob. Have you your top? Uh, grinding coffee beans and making a pour over coffee in the morning. That's definitely Ooh. very happy, happy time. I, lo- I look forward to it every morning. Yeah. You know, sometimes I go to sleep looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I hope I can wake up quicker because then I get my coffee. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, oh. I love that you said that. It is the best. As I sniff my cup. What time is it over there? That's what Americans always know, want to know what time it is over there. Oh, it's, um, it's nearly 10 past 6 p.m. PM. Okay. Well, there's no more coffee for you. Uh, my top of the cob is that I voted for what we do in the shadows for the Emmys. Um, oh. Yeah. And, Thank you. Um, yeah, your billboards are all around, and I really believe in voting for the shows that you love. Uh, I also voted for Shit's Creek, and we won, and I felt really good. <laughs> I felt like it was a real oh, team wow. effort. Sorry. Uh, but I voted for what we do in the shadows. And I, if it, if it was up, yeah, I watched it. And I'm glad I did because I watched it in quarantine and I was, and I'm now I'm obsessed. So um, you guys definitely deserve all the attention for that show because it's fucking brilliant. Thank you. Bottom of the cob. Um, you got one? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, in my area in West London, there's a lot of dog owners. Mm. Some of those dog owners pick their poo up in a doggy bag, as you do. A doggy poo bag, that is. <laughs> Not something you take home from a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, but then instead of going to the nearest doggy poop bin, which we have on many, many street corners, they find the nearest tree and plonk them down there. And when I walk my dog, I find myself cursing at whoever left the bag of shit in the colorful bag of shit that resides by an innocent young sapling. Yeah. Um, And I just would, you know, and I don't think they do it if anyone's watching them. And I think that's just, that's an act of cowardice, selfishness. And if anyone's out there that does that, don't. Fuck you. Fuck you. You lazy dog poop in a bag leaving mm. fuckheads. It's uh, super disgusting. There's also something interesting about, not that you should do this, but how, I mean, poop is poop. And for some reason we're like, well, if it's my dog's poop, I'll pick it up. But I, but it never occurs to us to pick up other people's poop bags. You're like, well, that's your bag that you touched. Obviously it's a foreign substance. Yeah. What's, you know, but you don't want to do someone else's work. Uh, and I get I've, that. I've thought about it, you know, but I just, no. no it's, especially, it's, you know, during the global pandemic. You don't know where, where those fingers have been, I can guess. It's absolutely true. But, and also, what you did the hard part, which was putting it, picking down, picking, go, leaning down, picking it up, putting it in a bag. Yeah. Why not complete the motion? It's just, it's still there. It's still on the floor. It's just surrounded in colorful plastic, but it's still no. there. Oof. I, anyway, I wish we could... Go ban dog poop bags altogether and everyone just use paper or something biodegradable. I don't know why. You can't. You, still. No, but what? you can. There are biodegradable poop bags. I use them. We got to get biodegradable poop bags because I have yeah. ones that are green that say like earth. I just tend to use plastic bags that are already in existence. Like the uh, New York Times comes well, in a plastic. Big ones. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, <laughs> I'm just like, 
I, I'll just, if it's, my, my thing is if the thing's already been invented, may as well give it a second purpose. Um, but I haven't purchased actual dog poop bags in a very long time, but we got to get biodegradable ones. I'll feel better about Spoil that. Spoil yourself. Spoil yourself. Pick up your dog's poops before Guillermo <laughs> tries them and eats them. Um, at my bottom of the cob, I, I made, I did a, a showbiz one in honor of you. Um, it's at auditions when they're already running late and you always get, I don't know if you've had this. I'm sure you have this like harried producer running in and they're always like, Hey guys, sorry. We're just getting back from lunch. Thank you so much for your patience. Oh, like, fuck you. Just do it on time. I drove here. Yeah. You're making me be patient. That's unforgivable. It is. That's, this is people. bad manners and that's just that's a culture that needs to be stamped out. They both, know both it's cultures. not acceptable, but they just yeah. well, you want this, so <laughs> that's exact that's exactly the voice. You want this so bad, you'll put yeah. up with it. He <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. Uh I hate to end it on a down note, but Kayvon, this was one of this is my favorite episode I've done, and you are so fucking oh. funny. Oh, and bless you. Th thanks so much for having me on. I don't do a lot of these. Well, I don't do any of these kind of podcasts, but I, I, I really, I did want to do yours. And I thought my initial feeling when anyone asked me to do something like this, I'm like, no, 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 I don't want. But then I, I went on a deep dive, man, and you're, you're really oh. awesome. And I, I, I felt I was going to be in safe hands with you. So oh my thank gosh. you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to use that for the trailer. Kayvon Novak, folks, what we do in the shadows on FX, it's streaming on Hulu, and you can stalk him at Kayvon, K-A-Y-V-A-N underscore, my least favorite thing, Novak, <laughs> N-O-V-A-K. I hope to meet you one day. I'm a fan forever, and thank you so much, you and Nandor. Thank you so much. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.